0: This week, we're continuing our series on hope and belief. We're gonna be entering the far out world of Halloween Town and Christmas Town in the nightmare before Christmas. Our focus point today is gonna be how to break out of a closed loop. And in episode one, we're gonna talk about how Jack's personal journey that he's going on, this midlife crisis that we find him in at the beginning of the movie, is something that we can all resonate with. Where you just feel like you're stuck in a loop and you can see the whole loop, you've seen it before, and there's just a hole in your life because you don't have hope outside of that loop. Your horizon for the future just doesn't go that far out and you don't have that big of a mission or a purpose. Jack wears this moniker of the Pumpkin King. Other people have come to expect that he's just gonna play this role in the Halloween celebration every single year, but he's literally telling us that he's bored of playing it. He just doesn't feel like this is where he needs to be anymore. So he goes, he runs into this Christmas tree in the woods while he's searching for himself, and of course jack being this interested but flawed leader he chases after the shiny toy he brings it back to halloween town and he wants to emulate that christmas spirit that he felt but he just doesn't know how and of course since he is the king he has to be in charge jack goes up in his tower he divines a future for christmas plus halloween and then he comes back down and tries to explain to everybody how it's going to happen and what role he needs them to play He does it all alone, and he doesn't include collaborators. Jack's looking for hope, but he's going about it in the wrong way, and he brings pain on the people that he's leading. And I think we can all relate to that in certain ways, whether we're the ones being led or we're the leaders who have this regret for these situations where we may have dragged people through what we now deem unnecessary pain because of our own flaws. So let's jump into Halloween Town. Welcome to Wonder Tour.
1: All right. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Brian. I'm back here with Drew. We're looking forward to talking about Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. This is a deeply strange and delightful movie. <laughs> it's fun that they've got the Disney moniker on top of it now because it was definitely not branded as a Disney movie when it first came out. They did not want it to have this, have this oddball associated with their happy little world. But I've always enjoyed it, and I'm curious to see kind of how did it strike
0: you, Drew, when you first saw it? Oh, I mean, I remember as a kid immediately falling in love with just different parts of this movie, whether it was Oogie Boogie and his weird voice and mannerisms and kind of how he just sells out on an ideology. Of course, as a kid, I didn't recognize that. But now it's so obvious watching it. He's just sold out on this ideology, a classic evil character. I loved Jack. I have somewhere probably at my parents' house a Jack Skellington costume that I wore. It was like a larger than life costume. I remember going to Disney World and wanting to buy all the Nightmare Before Christmas merch that they sold in the stores there out by the Haunted Mansion. I think there's like a Jack Skellington store. So I was absolutely floored by this movie. And then it showed up in the classic video game Kingdom Hearts. And again, I just so this has always been one that as a kid, I definitely didn't understand why I liked it. I don't think I understood what the story was. I was just in it for the characters and for the world.
1: Yeah, it's a delightful ride. Like you can totally just sense the joy of Tim Burton and just doing something demented and fun, but also really strong, relatable characters. Yeah. So from my angle on it, of course, full disclosure, in the 80s, I was a huge Danny Elfman Oigo Boingo fanboy. So I was very excited about him singing the Jack voice and doing all of the music and, and lyrics for this for this movie and sort of being a key collaborator, as he often is. So that was exciting for me. It was fun to watch that piece turn into, you know, the musical element is such a strong element of this movie throughout, not only the set piece songs, But just the way that they sort of communicate, even the, you know, the demented versions of the Christmas carols, right? You know, the Halloween town guys trying to play Deck the Halls and Jingle Bells is just not right. Like minor key, atonal, mournful stuff. And it reinforces the theme really well. So, yes, this is visually and musically and thematically really creative and really special little piece of art.
0: How the music comes in is fun. It ties in so well to the visuals that you're looking at. The contrast between Halloween Town and Christmas Town. I mean, nowhere is the big world, small world analogy that we keep talking about here on Wonder Tour more obvious than in this movie. You have Halloween Town as the small world. It's solved equation. Jack knows how to put on the best Halloween show every single year. And then he goes into this big world, Christmas Town, and he's like, oh, there's all these other holidays over here. Like, what the heck? And he has no understanding of snow or presents or any other thing. And he has to grapple with that. And of course, it's a short movie. And so Jack's character development as the hero in the hero's journey here is a little bit different. And it's kind of nice to be able to see this weird version of the hero's journey where the hero doesn't have a lot of tests that they face. In fact, they fail almost all of the tests, uh, which sometimes that feels pretty accurate for us in times in our lives. And (laughs) the only test that he passes, right, is at the end. Is there another test that he passes? Well, let's, that, let's
1: let's explore let's, let's let's start from the start from where we find Jack and see uh, see if we can sort of tease out what lessons he is or isn't learning. Because, like you said, this movie strikes me very differently now in my midlife that Jack himself is exactly having a midlife crisis, right? Like when we meet him, he's incredibly successful. He's the Pumpkin King, and everybody that he knows thinks he's amazing, and he has an incredibly successful Halloween apparently year after year forever. And so not all of our certain exactly the pumpkin king situation, but it's pretty recognizable of like, oh, I've been successful at one thing. And now I've got my name attached to that thing. And everybody expects me to do the thing. And it's going to be very difficult for me to get excited about doing it again. <laughs> okay, Oh, okay. You know, we, we exactly see it right at the beginning. It's like, oh, you know, I'm just I'm having a hard time getting excited about doing the same old thing. Like, oh, good. Another 364 days till next Halloween. Like, yay, let's get started on the planning. That's, I don't know that I recognized that when I was younger and first saw this movie, but certainly right now I've had that experience, right? I've had the experience of even just, you know, little stuff in your career of like, oh, I'm in charge of this little database and it's not that exciting and it works fine and I know how to do it, but nobody else really knows how to do it. And people depend on this thing just working the way it does and being up to date all the time. And so how do I get out of that? I want to go do something else. How do I get out of that loop? And that, to me, rewatching it recently was one of the things that struck me as sort of Jack, despite his success, despite the acclaim, his sense of ennui, his sense of like, there's got to be something more than this is very common. If you're the personality that can make something good, the experience of making something new and good is the thing that you want, not the experience of necessarily wallowing in the thing that you already made that you're now familiar with. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Jack has this hole in his reality that he can't reconcile. And so he goes and does his soul searching, and that's how he ends up in Christmastown, right? He gets attracted by the new shiny thing. Literally, the shiny thing. <laughs> the Christmas <laughs> literally tree, the new shiny thing. Which is so in contrast to everything in Halloween Town. And it perks up a smile in him and gives him some emotion that he hasn't felt in a long time, like genuine joy. Of course, in the old days, he was getting joy from scaring people and, you know, creating things that are like grotesque and things like that. But now he sees this Christmas. You know, we all have our own ideas, depending on our upbringing of what Christmas is and like how it makes us feel. But I think for most people there and in this movie, there's this feeling that like Christmas is full. You know, Santa is large. The bells are round and shiny and it's cold outside, but inside it's warm. So Christmas just has this like completeness to it that he's missing completely in Halloween Town where he keeps running this loop. But it's this closed loop situation where he's not getting any additional feedback. Right. Like he's already taken in all the feedback from all the people he can scare. He's made the best scares possible he's made the best musical possible. <laughs> right. This is Halloween It's pretty awesome, right? The opening drag there is, in my opinion, the best song. Right.
1: Well, and the other thing that struck me watching it again recently was how skillfully they use the language of color to express the difference. So I'm curious if you've ever run into that, because to me, that's a very pointed metaphor is like when you're getting excited about something new, like it's just there's more color in the world. Like there's all of these nuances. There's all these things that I could learn about. Like, oh, there's this thing called agile software development and maybe it's better than what I'm doing now. I'm going to assume that everything about it is better than what I'm doing now and going to get super geeked about it, right? So I don't know if you've had that experience. Is that the way new things strike you when you start to sort of step into the new
0: world? Yeah, I think vibrancy is critical. And we've talked about that in the past in Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a super vibrant movie with these overpowering colors in it. Yeah, the colors kind of wake you up to a new reality. It's almost like a part of the hero's journey to go from this small world that's black and white almost in Halloween Town to this big world that has all this color in it. And as a result, brings all these new thought processes and feelings that allow you to progress and grow as a human. And that's yep. where it's so critical to me that the closed loop, it doesn't have any room for inserting new variables like new colors that Jack's never seen before. I think we can all empathize with being stuck in that closed loop, whether it's a job that you've been in for too long, like you were saying, where you're just managing a database or a system or a process, and it's just like, come on, like, is there ever going to be anything more than this? Or it can just be, to some extent, like we talked about last week, getting stuck in Casablanca, where you know there's more out there for sure, you know where it is, but you're just too comfortable where you're currently
1: at. You can't see a way to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Jack's journey then. So this is where he is. He sees the new thing. He's excited about the new thing. So you talked about whether or not he passes any tests on the way through. He gets very excited about this new thing. He wants to bring it back and tell all of his friends about it. He wants to sort of embrace this idea of Christmas and really understand it. And my my sense of it is that he's quite sincere. He really does want to get it. He really does love it. Like his initial motivation is not I'm going to steal this from somebody or I'm going to ruin it. His initial motivation is like, this is going to be so much fun and we're going to get to do something cool and new. So where does he fall down? Where do you think he fails to understand a skillful way to move forward here?
0: Yeah, so he brings it back and this takes us to our mountaintop moment here right quick. He takes his sack of stuff back from Christmastown and he brings it to Halloween Town and he tries to show it off to everybody. He gets a stage, he pulls back the curtain, he's like, I have a surprise for you. And he just whips out all this interesting, shiny stuff, but there's not a lot of substance to it because he doesn't even understand how you're supposed to use this stuff. And so everybody else is even more lost when he's trying to show them the stocking and the lights and the presents. They're like trying to put it into boxes that they have in their own heads. They only have certain Halloween Town mental models. And he's bringing all these new concepts in that don't really mesh with Halloween Town models. And he has no way of explaining it. He doesn't have a good narrative. He doesn't even understand really how Christmas works. He just knows how it looks.
1: Yes. And we've been in those meetings, right? I've been that I've been that person who's been like, no, you don't understand. The new thing would be so cool if we did it. And everybody else is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. But I've also been in those meetings where somebody tries to sell you on a, a new way of doing things. You're like, yeah, you don't really, you know, you're not speaking our language or you clearly haven't quite digested what that implies yet. Yeah. So in this mountaintop moment, he gets partway through this and he's getting not resistance, like everybody's trying to get into it, but they're seeing it through their Halloween lens. And they're like, "Ooh, is there a rotting foot in the stocking? Like, is there pox in the box? Like, you know, they're being very Halloween about it. And he pivots. He gets halfway through and he's like, oh, I guess we'll just do it the Halloween way. And he starts to play up the demonic Sandy Claus character that's in charge of the whole thing. Like he just he leans into the halloween of the story. And so that's kind of the first failed test, right? It's not that he's not sincere about wanting to understand Christmas. It's that when he encounters resistance, he falls back to his old ways. He assumes that the things that he was good at in the old world are going to be equally valid in the new world. And so he just doubles down on, OK, well, we're going to do Halloween versions of talking about Christmas, you know, and it works like he gets super positive feedback like, oh, that's amazing. I love this story about Sandy Claus. But he knows that he hasn't gotten it yet. He knows that that's not the whole thing. So we then see him kind of, he goes off and has his second failed test, right? We see most of the members of Halloween Town are not understanding or they just want it to be more like Halloween except one. So who's our, who's our exception?
0: Sally is the only one who puts up any sort of a fight, right? The mayor, the mayor, while being a hilarious character, just loves Jack way too much and is absolutely a yes man. It's <laughs> <He's> just like, <laughs> yes, whatever He's you want. Literally Jack. two-faced. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. So you have Sally come in, and she's the only one, and we're going to talk about this in part two, that has any sort of a complex opinion on the matter at all. Everyone else is just like, well, Jack says it, so it must be good enough for me. And Jack is like, well, I was the king of the old thing, so I must also be the king of the new thing. As a result, he's just trying to transpose Christmas on top of Halloween, which, I mean, this gets into how to adopt change, right? You can't just transpose the new thing over the old thing. Let's say you try to adopt a new mindset, you try to adopt a different culture, and yet you keep the org chart and the structure the exact same. How is that going to work for you? Because people are just going to fall back into the old channels that they've been running through for years and years. You have to make a change to how things work, right? Jack doesn't quite get that, though. He's like, no, the old org structure with me at the top as a king telling everybody what to do, that'll work.
1: He thinks that just doing the new thing is enough, right? So that's one failure. And then the second failure is he wants to do it alone. And this is where Sally is so valuable in the story. We see her from the very beginning. She is also trapped in her own little small world. She's in Dr. Finkelstein's lab and she wants out. She wants to be part of the bigger, more exciting world. To her, Jack is that thing. She's excited about being part of the bigger flow of Halloween town, but she's not selfish. She's self-sacrificing, literally, like she gives up pieces of herself to escape. Right? But she's also able to look at the emotion of things. She's able to look at the, the reality of things and go, well, that, I don't quite think this is right. Like, you're, you're not getting it. But Jack isolates himself. He hears the pieces of the story that he wants to hear. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go solve this problem by myself. I'm going to lock myself in my tower and be the mad genius. I'm going to apply the scientific method and I'm going to rationalize out by myself how to do this thing. And so there's our second failure mode. He wants to embrace the new thing, but he hasn't figured out how to collaborate towards it. He's not approaching it with any humility, which we'll talk about in the second part. And as a result, we get Jack in the Santa Claus costume,
0: (laughs) which at first is like just this funny image. And as you go deeper, you see that it's kind of emblematic of the entire story. And so that forms up our central metaphor. Thanks for introducing that, Brian. Jack in the Sandy Claus costume. <laughs> so it's complex to pick apart, but it's also simple, right? It's like, okay, you got this Halloween guy, this guy who totally, who is Halloween. He's the Pumpkin King. And he's just going to somehow now become Santa Claus. But he doesn't have to do any internal change to get there. No, the change will just be external. He will ask Sally to make him a costume because he has this vision quest with nobody else's help. And he just like goes off and sees like the picture that he's looking at change. And he's like, oh, I could be Santa Claus. <laughs> and then, <laughs> So, right. So he's trying to seek control. He's making other people, even though they don't want to, and they don't believe in what he's sharing, he's making them be a part of it. And then lastly, he takes Santa Claus's hat right off of his head. And he thinks that is the finishing touch to the whole operation when inside he has still has zero understanding of what this new world is supposed to look like.
1: Yes, this is perfect, right? His external reality, his external presentation is not matching his internal state. And he thinks that all he has to do is, is do the external presentation and he's there. And he's not completely wrong, right? That's one of the contradictions that we can we can dig into a little bit, is that walking the path might be the only way to learn the path, but he is also feels like he's qualified to be in charge. He feels like he's qualified to just take over and own the thing, take it away from Santa Claus and do it himself. And we see that, like we see it coming, it's telegraphed very clearly, because Sally is the literal Cassandra figure. She gets a vision of the future, you know, the Christmas tree lights on the fire. She's like, this is going to be a disaster. And she keeps telling him very humbly, very supportively, very authentically, like, this is not going to work, Jack. And he's just steamrolling right ahead, right? He's so excited about his vision. He's so confident in his own abilities and his own leadership that he doesn't, you know, he's like, oh, you can do a useful thing for me. So please do the useful thing and please stop telling me that the thing's not going to work. Like <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not here for your opinions. I'm here for your skills. So I think we've probably been on both sides of that table, right? I've definitely been the shut up and do the thing that I'm telling you to do leader. And I've also been the, why don't you understand this is a terrible plan? Subordinate.
0: Yeah, I think one of the complex things about this metaphor is to get out of the closed loop, you kind of have to put on the Sandy Claus costume, you know, to some extent, you have to before the internal reality can reflect change, the external reality has to start to look like it. But there's a strong conflict there, because just because you have The trappings doesn't mean that you are changed. So for me, breaking out of the loop, if we're trying to make this a little bit more tangible or work oriented, well, obviously we've talked a lot. You could go back to Casablanca to figure out if you're in a closed loop. We literally talked in part two about how to know that you're in a closed loop. (laughs) Look for the Renault character. But the complex part is how to get out of it, because there is some give and take of the fake it till you make it versus the okay, well, don't fake it too much because then you have no substance and you're just leading people off a cliff.
1: Yeah, you know, and that's going to go into, like we talked about, the collaboration element, but also the humility element. Just because you've been successful at one thing doesn't necessarily mean that you are automatically qualified to commit to the next thing. I want to explore that a little bit more in part two. But the the tactic, recognizing that he's in a closed loop and he wants to break out, that's very recognizable. And I think we should all be looking for those opportunities, like where are the chances to step into a wider world? And the getting excited about the new thing and trying to bring it back and share it is totally recognizable and laudable. And the, like you said, even even putting on the costume, even maybe not the costume with the guy in charge, but trying to drape yourself in the new garment and walk the walk to understand it that itself is not necessarily the problem here the problem here is that he goes all in without understanding knowing that he doesn't quite get it he's not listening to the people around him that are trying to help and he's not approaching it from the standpoint of that he has something to learn that he might not be the skillful leader that he thinks he is
0: yeah and i think if we could start to wrap this up into a key takeaway here it's to follow the process not the skills And what I mean by follow the process and not the skills and abilities is what you don't want to end up doing is being a Michael Scott type stereotype, right? Because Michael Scott puts on the Sandy Claws costume all the time. And I know we we love to draw it back to the office because it's, it's just a ubiquitous reference at this point that everybody gets is Michael Scott. And it works so well in the workplace. But I mean, this dude is so quick to put on the Sandy Claws costume or the fat suit or whatever. But the problem is Michael's always overconfident in his knowledge and abilities, and he's not following the process. The key is to be able to separate out good process from good skills and abilities, not to self-deprecate your skills and abilities or your knowledge, but to understand that wisdom is not strictly based on skills and abilities. Wisdom is a process generally where we apply our skills and abilities using knowledge from ourselves and other people. And then we can come up with, you know, what the wisdom is in the moment, where the line is at in order to proceed.
1: Yeah, no, that's well phrased. So the way not to get there is to assume that you already have everything you need, right? It's like, oh, I'm just going to do it the Halloween way. And that's very natural. You fall back on the package of skills that I've already got. We talked about this a little bit in the pre-show, right? Is the engineer's disease of I'm smart at one thing, so obviously I'm good at all the things and you should listen to me, right? (laughs) I have this opinion, therefore it must be valid. Jack kind of does that, right? He comes in and assumes that he can just do it. I mean, he can just figure it out and it'll be fine because he's, he's smart and he's successful. And so that's, that's the first lesson here is like, don't fall back to the old way of doing things. Don't wedge the new thing into the old framework. You can get the appearance of the new thing without getting the value of the new thing, without making it successful, if you try to just wrap the garment around it.
0: Yeah, so I think that's a good place to stop here. In summary, we talked about how Jack finds himself in this midlife crisis where he's in a closed loop and that's really constricting his hope. He doesn't have a lot of vision for the future at this point. And his external reality doesn't really match his internal state when he goes to Christmastown and comes back and tries to just drape everything with the trappings of Christmas but he doesn't follow the process for change. He doesn't have any sort of a change management process. And so he just has too much faith in his own skills and abilities, his own knowledge. He goes off in the tower alone and tries to have a vision and he has a vision and he comes back and he espouses it on other people who trust him and he leads them totally down the wrong road. And it ends up with him flaming out, (laughs) you know, down on his luck and him having to come back and humbly follow the example that Sally is leading where she is following good process. She is focused on first understanding other people, understanding her situation, and then humbly making decisions on what actions she can take in order to progress the narrative forward and break out of that closed loop. And I think that's a great transition into part two. So why don't you close us out, Brian?
1: Yeah, the only tag I wanted to add was Sally has learned the uh, Doctor Strange lesson of it's not about you. (laughs) <laughs> so, so, we've talked about some ways not to approach transformational change. So, when we come back for the next episode, we'll be talking about some ways to approach transformational change. And I think our keywords we'll be looking at are how to approach it with humility and how to approach it in a spirit of collaboration and learning together rather than being directive. And maybe we'll even talk about some processes, you know, that encourage us to run smaller experiments before we go into production. We we'll look forward to talking to everybody next time. Thanks so much for joining us. And just remember, as always, character is destiny.